Good morning and welcome to episode 299 of Taking the Charge podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hein of Hein News. Thank you for stopping by. I know, I know, a day late. Um, yep, things just got so hectic yesterday and uh, so I'm actually recording this a day later, um, but no problem no problem at all thank you for stopping by uh if you want to get in contact with the show you can go to twitter reach me there at high news h-e-i-n-n-e-w-s the facebook group is taking the charge podcast just put that in the search bar taking the charge podcast and you can find us there uh you can go to the website highnews.com highnews at gmx.de is the email address itunes you can rate and review the show there and patreon patreon.com slash taking charge uh yeah loads of hoops right now um nba i i i didn't realize i thought that the game three was actually going to be on thursday and um and it ended up being on wednesday and uh so actually missed missed that caught uh, the highlights of of that one and yeah it looks like it looks like it's going to be a 5-1 series now um i can't imagine that lebron's going to lose his uh what could be the final game of his career in cleveland for the Cavs. let's say that um and uh, i don't think he wants to get swept and so i think he'll do everything in his power to get that done um just but just uh you know an amazing performance by uh kevin durant yesterday and uh tip your hat to that to that uh to that team and uh, you know it's it's just way too much firepower, and, and just really absolute superstars on that team, and they were able to get the job done and uh, are up three three nothing. Uh, never in one hundred thirty one uh, series has the team leading three one lost the series, and and uh, teams up three zero in the NBA Finals are thirteen and zero. So. Things do not look good for LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, but nobody really, um, nobody really expected the Cavs to win the series. The question was whether or not um, uh, the Cavs would get a game or two, and so now the question is if they can get first a game, extend the series, and send it back to uh, uh, back to Oakland. Um, you know, as before, since the since the last show, games one and two have taken place as well. Uh, game one was pretty heartbreaking. You know, it's you know it's been so you know so much talked about. You know, the re the first the charge call, charge block call, and I, I, I for me it's just really hard to imagine that that call gets can can even get reversed since it's such a judgment call. Um, you know, especially since he was clearly outside the circle and. Um, and then to 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 ch- change that um, that just really blew my mind. I guess the rule has been on the book now for a year or two or something like that, but that just really blew my mind that that was changed. And then um, and you know that was thirty seconds left, and and the Cavs up by two. Um, and okay, that doesn't guarantee a victory, but you go down the other end and get points, whatever. Anyhow. Uh, and, uh, you know, George Hill, I think, is something like an 80% free throw shooter, misses the second one. Uh, you, know, you can't really. Sure, he should hit that shot, but, uh, you know, that amount of pressure um, and 
and then everybody's talked about or or you know did <laughs> memes or whatever <clears throat> about jr and the rebound um and then game two you know is that's not a surprise that you know you lack the energy and you last lack the the fortitude to get back and 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 uh, finish it off uh, and try to try to you know grab a, a game it would have been interesting it would have been an interesting series if uh if cleveland had been able to grab that first one uh, but you know it is what it is um yeah so i last like mentioned last uh, show i was in um i was in india and um yeah that was really interesting the bwb asia camp um it was my first experience working so closely with the NBA. I was I was there with FIBA, but we were. Um, it was a very, very much run by by the NBA and the personnel there, and also from the uh, from the Basketball Federation of India. Uh, but some some interesting interesting guys. The MVP was was Rens uh, Pedrago, uh, who. Clearly deserve the MVP from Philippines. A, a short um, listed five eleven, uh, two thousand two born point guard, and really just a fun player. Uh, really strong understanding of the game, and uh, a very good shooter. Uh, great handle. Um, and it will be fun. It'll be fun. He'll be he, he'll be in uh, Argentina at the world cup for philippines and uh you know with a guy like him handling the ball and being able to withstand pressure uh and and be calm that's going to be a big help in um in their possibility to to maybe do something you know you you know people have uh, people know they have a lot of size with with Kai Soto and and, and really uh, a group of you know four or five guys that are six 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 or taller, which which is unheard of uh, for the Philippines. Uh, so that's going to be a a really good uh, a really good um, uh, interesting group to watch there. The Philippines. Um, other guys to stand out. Not not thinking NBA potential necessarily, but Sam Jenkins, uh, another 2002, really st- stepped up. Uh, he was actually there with uh, with two other New Zealand 2002 tours, Max Stoddard, who would actually be at the um, at the World Cup as well, and uh, Tane Murray. Uh, Murray was selected uh, for the uh, All Grit Award. Uh, loose balls and 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 diving on the floor and and uh, just the little details. He got that award. Jenkins, um, a guard who just nails down shots and um, and just does a lot of solid things. And uh, you know, really, uh, really was impressed with him. And I think he'll he'll really benefit from the experience that he had. Other guys that really stood out. Um, I really liked uh, Ke- um, Kean Jam- Jamie's Jamie Dennis's athleticism from Australia. Uh, Lachlan uh, Bo- Bofinger is another um, six six Australian. Both those guys are six six from from Australia. Uh, really good, really nice point guard for for Chinese Taipei with uh, Chen Chingchu. 
2004 in October. Uh, not sure if he's going to make it to the under-18s. We'll see. Um, but really hard-nosed point guard. Another uh, talented Chinese. Two the, the, both of the Chinese Taipei guys were really good. Um, Ma Qian Hua, a wing, uh, listed at 6'6". Six, six. Uh, strong, athletic, um, fearless. You know, really Im- impressed with him. Uh, Japan had a had a had a tr- had a had a couple of really good ones with Kaiga Mats- uh, Matsuo, a um, uh, a really still thin but strong, uh, good motor point guard. You also had. Uh, where is he? There he is. Uh, Shantaro Iara, uh, listed 6'2", small forward, shoots, uh, does a lot of things nice. And um, even even Kajiro Mitani, uh, pretty solid. Uh, he didn't shine quite as well uh, as much as the other ones. Um, back to Australia, I was really I really liked uh, Josh J- uh, Joshua James Giddy. Uh, another October 2002 born, uh, listed small forward, but he's basically a, a six six, and uh, yeah, six six point guard. Um, really good feel for the game. Uh, father played, uh, I think, uh, 15 years or so with Melbourne, and the other he hung a lot. Uh, he hung out a lot with a uh, with another interesting guy, Daniel Foster, point guard. Uh, I don't think as much upside personally. I don't think as much upside as 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 uh, as Giddy, but also did some nice things. And um, yeah, Prince um, Prince Singh and uh, Aman Sandhu, two bigs from from India. Uh, I think did a bright, nice job. They both actually left after the second day of camp to go to. Uh, to go to the Treviso camp, the NBA Global camp, which I kind of talk a little bit about in a minute. Um, so yeah, uh, Saman uh, um, Aman Sandu, I think, is is really interesting. Uh, December two thousand two, so almost two years younger than some of these guys, and I guess forty pounds uh, lighter than he had been uh, just a year ago, and. Um, yeah, when you put all that into consideration, I think that's a pretty interesting uh, uh, a guy there. Uh, see how he is able to do things with a new body. Um, yeah, so that's a good rundown of the guys there. Was uh, was really was really happy to be there and, and take part in that. And and thanks to uh, FIBA and uh, for letting me come on board and doing that. We're going to be doing some features. Uh, from some of the players on that coming up in the next couple weeks. So watch out for FIBA on that. Um, The Treviso camp, which uh, the NBA has taken over, used to be the Adidas Euro camp in Treviso. Now it's the NBA Global Camp with the NBA Academy, Center of Excellence. Um, Just from everything that I read was just a phenomenally organized event and uh, and that the scouts and, and personnel people were really impressed with. Um, you know, looking at some of the, some of the guys, uh, a couple of the quote older guys, you know, Isolf, uh, Sanu, the, the Ukrainian, uh, suppose, I guess did a really good job. I, I really like him as, as a player. Haven't really seen him live, but, uh, I like some of the, the, the things that I've, uh, that I have seen from him. Uh, Anna Makoko, Makoka from France, uh, apparently, um, did some, 
uh, did his draft stock uh, some good in what he did there. Uh, from what I saw, Kai Jones was really interesting. Kid from Bahamas, who I guess is not a very big name in America, which uh, I think is going to be changing soon. Uh, and then, and then the French trio, um, you know, the the trio of Killing Hayes, Teo Maladon, and and Malcolm uh, Cazalon. Uh, they, I think, they blew people out of the water. They were an international select team, which was you know just loaded, and uh, you know they shined above everybody else. And um, I think for good reason. You know, I've been saying it for for a while now. If they had a big or two, um, even just a big, you know, uh, they have SOME, they have SOME Miem and and uh, and Karain. But I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to, to battle those bigs from USA and Canada and and even Soto and you know some of the, the some of that size that um, that Philippines is going to have. Um, but with with that trio of guys, Casalon, you know Hayes and and and, and Maladon, that's that's just a, a unbelievable trio. I, I don't know if that's you know that might not be matched in a lot of places. You know, okay, USA. I don't know if USA. I don't know if USA is going to match that. Um, as, as as strange as that may sound, but I mean, you had you had um, you had Killian Hayes being the MVP of an under twenty one league, the MVP, and he played uh, he played as a sixteen year old. He hasn't turned seventeen yet. Maladon's only going to turn seventeen in a week, and he also I think he averaged fifteen and five assists or something like that in the under twenty one league. And uh, Mazalone, I think, averaged 13 in the 21 league. Uh, so this is, you know, this is a pretty elite level of, of guys here. And and it's going to be fascinating to see if they were to, you know, go up against the Americans. Hayes is half American, so that's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, there's going to be a little bit of an eye. It would be cool to play against the Americans. Um, so they, that, that trio just blew people out of the water. All you have to do is put in, in any of their names, especially Maladon and, and Hayes in, in Twitter, and, and you'll see a bunch of stuff of people's responses and, and uh, opinions about what they did there in Treviso. Uh, Wigness, Tamari Wigness from, from Australia, another guy who's, at the un, who's going to be at the Under-17 World Cup. Uh, another, you know, you know uh, people liked seeing him and seeing what he can do his his elite quickness and and really good aggressiveness and um if he was a couple inches taller he would be uh definitely probably you know really high up there on 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 uh on draft lists and stuff like that uh as far as prospects go uh, down the road uh 2002 born is um is Wigness. uh yeah so that's um yeah, and youth basketball, man, we're right around the corner. I guess you know, we talk a little bit about the under eighteen Americas, FIBA Americas, because that's going to be started on um, on June tenth, which is uh, a Sunday. No, Saturday. So Saturday is the under eighteen uh, FIBA Americas, the first qualifiers for the under nineteen World Cup. And um, yeah, I, you know. To be honest, I, I think the Americans are going to lose. I think the Americans are going to lose to Canada in the final. Um, you look at the American team, there's just one guy uh, who's played with Team USA um, and, uh, well, with the USA basketball national team, and that was Quentin Grimes, who played at the Hoop Summit. 
Uh, nobody's played internationally of these guys. Uh, I, you know, personally, I, I love the story of Kamaka Hepa, uh, who's actually from Alaska, won two Alaska state championships and one came down to Florida, uh, came down to Portland, won a state championship in, in Washington. I don't know if he won as, uh, won as a senior year. I think he's on his way to Texas. Um, he has uh, um, a Native American, I think it's Inuit, Inuit um, a Native American in him, also Filipino. Uh, but he's going to play for the under-18 America team. Um, but, you know, I don't know Ameri- I don't know uh, U.S. high school that much, um, but the U.S. high school guys that I, don't, that I do have followed, you know, nobody's really on there. I, if I'm not mistaken, Kobe White is on his way to um, UNC, if, I, I think. Um, but I'm not... 100% let me, let me check uh, I think Quentin Grimes is going to Kansas and uh, and and that would make yeah so Kobe White is on his, is, is going to um, UNC and Quentin Grimes is a is a commit to uh, Kansas is that correct uh, yes and Bill Self the Kansas coach is the under 18 USA national team coach. Um, so, and I guess, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know about that that USA team. I, I'm I'm a little bit weak on my U on my USA high school, but I think they might get beat. I think they might get that get beat in the final. Um, if they do, you know, they end up facing Canada. You look at, you look at, um. You know, there's a lot of guys on this Canada team, for example, that have played internationally. Jaden um, Biako, who's been already at two World Cups, uh, didn't play a lot because he was younger, both of them, but he has that experience. Uh, Emmanuel Miller was um, at, a, at a World Cup already. Uh, Andrew Nemhard was at a World Cup already, uh, under 17. Addison Patterson, he hasn't played internationally, but he's, one of, he's played so many high-level guys. Uh, plays at uh, plays um, at uh, at Orange. Plays at the um, Athlete Institute, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I you know especially the the, the, the calm of, of Andrew Nemhart, and uh, you know they they have some they have some pretty decent size. You know you look at the six eight uh, Bariaku, uh, Malcolm Bailey is also six eight. Uh, ben Hendricks also uh, Athlete Institute six ten. And um, yeah, so I, I think it's gonna be uh, 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 absolutely fascinating. Under eighteen, I think uh, I think Chile is gonna be super super interesting. You know, this is the um, this is uh, the next generation of, of solid talent coming out of Chile. They won the under eighteen uh, South America championship for the first time ever. Um, the Argentinians will obviously be strong. Puerto Rico will be strong. I think Dominican Republic is going to be fantastic. So you look at Canada, USA, probably. Uh, but then after that, you know, two more teams go to the under-19 World Cup. You know, Chile, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Argentina, maybe one of those guys out there surprised. This is a different format this year for for the first time for the under-18s where they go, um, there's eight teams, and, and they go then cross groups A and B, cross four, one, two, three in the quarterfinals. So... You know, you happen to get, you happen to slip up, and 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 maybe, you know, have to face. Um, uh, 
like um you know if you slip up and you play um canada in the in the quarters and uh you know you just yeah it's here here chile for example um there you go so top top uh group group b for example is argentina canada and chile with ecuador you look to two top two you know all four going through to the quarterfinals and you could have a you can have an argentina uh dominican republic uh quarterfinal chile puerto rico so it's going to be fantastic games to start on the on, on saturday go until the 16th and again this will be the first uh, qualifier for the under eight under 19 world cup so we'll know by the time the show is on next no not, uh no, but we won't know next week we'll know um actually will we know let's check the schedule really quick um games and then um yeah, then the next the next World uh, Cup qualifier, the next under-18, is the Europeans. Um, we'll know the quarterfinal matchups by next week, next week's show. Um, and then, uh, so we'll know the quarterfinal matchups. We'll know who goes, who who is facing whom. All right, fantastic. Uh, let's get to the interview and then uh, and head off. Uh, the interview this week, had a chance to talk, uh, had a wonderful conversation with Boki Nakbar. And uh, the longtime Slovenian national team player played in the NBA, played in Europe, and uh, did loads of great things. Main reason I wanted to talk to him uh, was the the announcement of the Euroleague Players Association. So that we're going to talk a lot about that, and but a lot about other things. Also, his opinion about Luka Doncic. Uh, so here's my interview with uh, Boki Nakbar. Enjoy that, and we'll catch you on the other side. Perfect. All right. So on the show this week, um, Boki Nakbar. Um, actually, I was just just did a this, just did a search, and I realized that that book you were on the episode number ten way back in November two thousand thirteen. I interviewed you back in uh, when you were playing in Bamberg. So I guess it's welcome back to the show. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Which 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 number are we talking about now? Um, this will probably be two ninety eight or two ninety nine. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> that's great. Um, as you you know you know a little bit about podcasting, and we'll come to that as well. Um, so, but but actually, you know, really, thanks for for coming on and finding some time. Um, I guess I guess first start off with. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, May 14th, you made the announcement that, that you're going to officially retire. Uh, last season, you played with Sevilla. Um, you know, you, you played 20 years. Maybe just maybe just talk a little bit about, um, you know, you really didn't have a lot of uh, injuries at all. And, and you know, I've you know, heard podcasts and, and interviews where you say, you know, you feel actually pretty really, you know, for somebody who's played 20 years, you feel pretty good. Um what was the final step, maybe, or decision as far as you know? Okay, maybe it is time to to hang him up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it is true that I was, uh, you know, compared to many other players, I was pretty lucky as far as injuries. I, I, I did have, I would say, three injuries that kept me away from the court for for uh, you know for a month or, or up to three months, four months, but never an injury that I would that would make that would force me to to lose the season. So. Um, and that was one of the things that that I always wanted, uh, which was um, you know finish my career healthy, and so I can do other things. You know, I I, I, I got a family, I got two children. I I want to stay active. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. You know, if it's sport related. So, um, you know, I I think I made my decision um, after last season to to 
let's say seriously think about retiring um i um i uh, i had a nagging injury at the end of last season um just that uh, my torn uh micro fracture like you know of the, of the calf muscle and um you know just coming kept coming back and back and even though i got healthy over the summer and was ready to play this season um you know, at the same time, I kind of thought to myself, why, why not retire at this point? You know, 20 years of professional basketball, and and um, you know, I, I played in every league that I that I wanted. I, I, I achieved all my goals that I, that I wanted to achieve, and um, just didn't 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 have nothing to prove, especially not to myself, you know, anymore. So um, I, I I waited, you know, half halfway through this season to see if there would be a team that I would want to join and that would want. Uh, that would still want me to play, um, you know, at the highest possible level, but um, kind of didn't didn't find the right spot, or the interest simply wasn't there anymore. So um, just just decided to make it official and 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 retire. You know, I thought it was a it was a good moment just before the final four because you know I knew I was going there and I didn't want the, the questions raised about my career and all that because I just never simply uh, made the announcement. <laughs> I mean, we we could talk. I mean, it's it's your career is really a, a, a an entire podcast worth. Um, but there's so many other things that I want to talk to you about. Uh, let's just maybe hit on a couple of of, of points about the about your career. Um, maybe some of your favorite moments. I know there's probably so many of them, but. Why don't you give us some of your some of your yeah, top highlights um, that you really, when you look back, you're like, yeah, this is what I really like to remember. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, like you said, there's there's, there's a few. Um, you know, maybe the youngest one or the earliest one would be winning the uh, the Euro European Championship under 20 uh, with with my you know my my generation 1980 1981, um, and then um, you know going to Italy and and you know playing my first yearly final four with Benetton and winning the the Italian Championship. You know back then. and with some Hall of Famers was, was experience on itself. Um, and then after I came back to Europe, probably most important years, I would say, were uh, two, two seasons in Barcelona. You know, playing Final Four again and winning the Spanish Championship um, is something that, I, that I'll remember forever. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's been a long career. It's been an interesting one. You know, I, had, uh, I was lucky enough to live in some extremely interesting cities and, and countries and made friends all over the globe. So... Um, you know, I'm, I definitely have a lot to, to, you know, to be thankful for. You just brought it up. Then let's. Why don't we? Why don't we just hit on that? Maybe favorite places to play. I mean, you've played so many different places, and also as a as a uh, as an opponent going to a different city, whatever. Maybe you're some of your favorite places to to play around the world. Um, you know, I, I love to play in New York. You know, I, I lived in you know I played for New Jersey Nets for three years, and I, and I lived you know just on the other side of the Hudson River, basically. It's almost like living in New York. Um, so that was for me. That was the three most interesting years. Um, and also playing against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden is probably my favorite place to play. Um, you know, it's just just one of those things when you walk in, you can feel the the you know the the importance of the place and the history that's there. Not just not just from basketball standpoint, but just in general. So uh, if I have to point out one place, that would be it. How about? Most underrated places? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, 
and most underrated. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think every 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 place, at least at the highest level of basketball, every place you go to has its own history and has has a you know a certain stigma to it. I think um, you know maybe you know playing in, in Barcelona, even though the Barcelona has a small. Uh, you know, small, small arena and an old one. There's just so much history there, and it just, just um, the the respect you have for the club um, and what it means globally. Uh, I, I think people sometimes forget how big of a of a of a name FC Barcelona is. You know, um, so that that has a very special meaning for me. Even though the arena and the place, you know, it's 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 not the nicest one. Palau Blaugrana is probably the one the oldest one in your league, but it has history and has something about it that it's that it's that it's uh that it's obviously mysterious but at the same time it's uh it's a uh, it's a it's a great place to play uh i know 20 years it's not going to be it might not be very easy to to come up with an answer on this but maybe some of your favorite opponents either either player wise or team wise where you always knew if you're going to go against this guy or this team or this country you know in a in a in a you know with the national team whatever you knew that you were gonna you know just have you you were really looking forward to those matchups. Um, yeah, I mean there there there's a lot. Whether that's in your league, whether that's with national teams or in the NBA, you know, I would I would kind of um, separate those three in three different different segments. You know, with with uh, with your league, you know, just being player of Barcelona. Obviously, Madrid was one of the big opponents that that that, that we had, and Barcelona always has a huge rival, and those games are always um, super intense and super interesting. Uh, in the NBA, the the, the toughest opponents were, were probably the Lakers. Um, with Kobe Bryant, you know, just playing against him and and, and you know how how much he wants to win. It's 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 just something it's just something amazing. Um, even though there's a lot of great players there, and, and depending where you play in the states, you know the rivals will, will be there. For example, when I played in Houston, you know San Antonio and Dallas were big rivals. In, in New Jersey, New York was a big rival, and so on. And so on. Um, and then with national teams, um, you know throughout my years, teams like Serbia and teams like Spain were were the toughest teams to beat. Uh, we were. We'll, we'll kind of talk about how you're you're actually really busy right now and probably you know I, I heard a podcast where you said you're actually more busy almost probably more busy now than you were as a player um, but but maybe the let's call it the biggest relief or whatever that you're not playing that you are not playing anymore um yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it relief because I definitely miss it. <laughs> so yeah. I, don't think, I, don't think and I, I didn't like the word, but I couldn't keep come up with anything. Yeah, the moment, so. yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything that I um, that I don't miss. You know, everything about basketball, basketball is something that I'll miss mostly. You know, tough games and, and playing for big teams and, and, and the fans and the energy that it, that all this brings. But um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know. One thing that I like is that I'm living on my own schedule now. You know, I don't have uh, a team or a coach or whoever. I'm putting together my schedule, and it's it's something that I have to at the same time learn to handle and and and, and uh, you know do do, do my be the best possible job that I can as far uh, that I can as far as time managing and stuff like that. But um, this is something that I like about uh, not playing anymore. Um, 
but obviously this brings this brings a bunch of challenges as well because as you said you know it, it is true that I'm extremely busy now and and trying to fit in fit all these activities into 24 hours you know and also being a husband and a father is is it's a challenge but uh, but I do, do enjoy it um one of the things last year you last season you were uh, the one of the first participants in a in a new project that FIBA Europe started up uh called the timeout project and it was sort of tailored for we've had a podcast on it before and it and it's tailored for players sort of at the twilights of their careers to sort of give them a a sort of a a, a really a, a chance to study again because you know if you played 10 years 15 years your college degree is is you know it's more or less worthless or you know a lot of the things obviously society has changed so much and and they wanted to give um these athletes a chance to to really uh learn the business uh of basketball and everything around it anew with a business aspect um when you heard about the project timeout project um did it take long for you to think, all right, maybe I should try this? Or once you heard it, you're like, oh, this is a great idea and I want to go for it? Um, no, I mean, I got, I got contacted by Slovenian Basketball Federation if I would be interested in doing it. And, uh, you know, right from the get-go, I thought it was a great idea. Um, you know, I never had a chance to go to university because I, I, I turned professional when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. So, um you know, this was this was never an option to me uh, for me. So, um yeah, I... I said I want to do it right away. I, you know, the education is something that I always wanted to get. Also, when I was in the MBA, I was trying to find ways to um, to get connected through MBA's educational programs to to get my degree. So this was this was a great opportunity. Um, it takes away a lot of my time. Definitely, it's, it's not easy because we are connected with uh, with actual university, you know, university like Newcastle called, called Northumbria University, which is one of the best businesses. You know. Universities in uh, in uh, in England, and uh, it's very demanding. It takes it takes a lot of my time. It, it takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of reading um, to be able to 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 pass the uh, the assignments. But uh, I believe it's worth it. You know, we're learning a lot. It's uh, it's given us the, the 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 much needed theoretical you know um, um, part of the business that we that we definitely need um, as as basketball players. So um, you know, I'm. I'm enjoying it it's it's not easy but it's 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 something that i think you know every basketball player when if given a chance should should do because it presents you the business of, of the business and the business of sports in a completely different different light so um you know i'm sure that myself and and you know other students who are, have um decided to do it will benefit from it a lot um it's it's really kind of designed to 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 tailor and create the sort of the next group of maybe GMs or team officials administrative side. Um, may, maybe uh, the the top for for those who might not have you know gone through it or didn't read much about it. Maybe just one or two of the key concepts that you really took out of it uh, moving forward. Then. Um, yeah, it's, it's so many different things and so many different modules that we're working on. You know. Um, Especially, uh, you know, the way businesses run in the big companies, the way teams, you know, the business teams are are, are assembled, and you know how what what the different different approaches are. Um, I think it's it's extremely important to to learn that about business in 2018. You know, and and, and so whenever we will be thrown in these situations, we will we will know how to function, how to react, and, and what to expect. 
Um, I've seen a lot of basketball players who have, um, you know, stopped playing one day and, and, and put themselves in those positions the next day without having any any knowledge knowledge or education and and uh you know in most cases those 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 people or those ex-players get in trouble because they don't have this theoretical knowledge and and the experience and experience needed so um you know throughout this I'm, I'm getting all this all this education and all this knowledge you know leadership is management is, is is the module that really teaches you to see business the right way and the way it's done done today and and the good thing is that everything can be related to the to the business of sports and in this case business of basketball so um, I think um, you know after after these the three years of studying we'll be well equipped to to, to handle all the situations that we have to um, in, in, in this in this business in this environment um, speaking of business of basketball one of the one of the you know main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show um, at the Euroleague Final Four was the the announcement that the Euroleague Players Association will be uh, will be established. Um, maybe maybe just kind of take us through maybe the process of how that how that idea we've heard we've heard players in the past talk about sort of a need for it um how those players talking about that um and then how you got involved and how we got to the point then at the final four that this announcement was was made maybe kind of talk talk through us talk that process through us yeah, um, you know, even you know, as a player, I felt that you know the, the player association at the highest level in Europe is, is something that it's it's very needed. I think you know my experience dealing with the MBPA, the player association of NBA players, um, has definitely helped, and it's showed me the strength of of uh, in an organization where players are <clears throat> united and and together are working towards improving their uh, their position in, in the league. Um, you know, the, I, I was also. You know, vocal um, in, in in the past. Um, you know, whether that was um, just talking to different GMs or different people in the industry, or you know, talking to, you know publicly about um, you know uh, association being something that that is needed, not not just for to, to improve players' careers, but also to improve the league. You know, I think the league needs the voice of the players to to hear which things are working and which are not. So, so the league can adjust and and and, and let's say grades itself um, to, to become an even better product so um, you know at the beginning of this season um, you know I got contacted by EuroLeague saying that you know they they've, they have um, you know they're aware of, of players um, um, you know uh, complaints and players' wishes to 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 get united and, and players' desire to to create an organization and you know I was asked if I um, if I would be willing to to represent the players in this and kind of um, just travel around all the teams and kind of gather information of the players to see if there is an interest to do that um, you know I think we you know myself and your league we both agreed that you know if players want to you know effectively change things and and improve things within the league they need to get organized first so um it was good to see that there was a let's say a green light from your league um but at the same time you know myself and them we made it very clear that there won't be any um um you know help from from your league it's it's, it's entirely a, a players association it's it will be financially organizationally completely independent i think that's the only right way to do it um and i think that 
you know, it was very obvious throughout my travels that the players want want this as soon as possible. So, um, you know, I, I let's say I, I got an approval from the players to take it to the step two and, and, and make a little bit more research and assemble a team of experts that will help in this area, whether that's, you know, organizational or, or, or legal uh, or financial department and to see what, what options do we have and how to how to actually make this happen because uh, honestly it hasn't been done at this level in Europe you know in the past especially not uh, something that would concern your league players which are you know the players in the, the second best world league in the world so um, you know after consulting many different people from many different areas we, we kind of got an idea of what needs to be done to, to establish it and we're going to uh, present this to players at the end of June uh, in Barcelona in our our first player representative meetings, um, and where we will, uh, um, you know, just confirm the constitution and select our board and uh, and our president, and uh, you know, we'll we're going to start working towards um, you know creating more or creating a list of goals that players would like to achieve, and then obviously start negotiating with your league to, um, to you know to to hopefully improve that. But um, the good thing is that we have. Um, the re- approval and recognition from EuroLeague. Um, many basketball general managers in EuroLeague and teams approve what we're doing. But again, you know, everybody told me, and I think that's the only right way. Uh, um, you know, everybody told me that the players need to do it themselves. We we, we cannot and will not ex- expect any help from from the league or from many clubs. Um, so this is entirely on players to get organized and to get it going. And so players. Just, just as far as the formality goes, players will decide a, an executive board, and then probably the chairman yes. of that board. Is there any other officials then that will be established then at that point? At that point in June? Yeah, yeah. You know the, the way we we um, we uh, we do. Uh, let's say uh, I wouldn't call it copy, but we're trying to uh, you know copy, but then adjust a lot of things from the MBPA. Um, MBPA has been extremely helpful in this process. Um, I have constant communication with them, and uh, they are um, extremely excited that we're doing, um, you know, we're doing such thing here in Europe. Um, it's obviously much more difficult in Europe due to having, you know, at least this year, 16 teams in nine different countries. Uh, mm-hmm. Four or five of them are not in European Union, so uh, it'll, be, it'll be a challenge, you know, uh, from from legal standpoint to to get over all the all the hurdles to say so. But it's not it's not impossible. We made enough research, and we're confident. Uh, we're confident enough that, that establishing the, the player association is something that can be done and will be done um, the international one I would say um, but uh, yes we will um, the players the you know the 16 player representatives will vote on their executive board uh, which will be consistent of five players um, they, and then, then they will vote also on the president of the association which will be an active player of your league so um, and the rest of us you know will be uh, you know once we're confirmed that the players um, you know will just be let's call it a supporting cast you know um, just supporting players from like I said before organizational legal financial standpoints and then presenting players facts but I think the most important thing that people have to realize and have to know is that the players will, will steer, steer the ship they, they will decide you know which which things we should go after. They will decide which things we should just just let be. Um, they will decide who will who will be you know working their staff. They will decide who will be their president. Um, basically, it will be in the hands of players. I think that's the only right way to do it. 
Um, you know, myself being a player still less than a year ago, and I understand that really, really well how important it is for players to to have something that they can they can some or some organization they can trust and they can go to. Um, and and this is something that we want to do. Obviously, it will take it will take time and they, for, to make those changes. Changes will not happen overnight. Probably will not happen over summer, and, and, and it's possible that they won't happen, you know, within within a year. Um, and I'm trying to expel, expel, explain explain that to players that these things do take time. However, you have to start somewhere, and, and by establishing the player association, I think it's the yearly player association that is. I think it's a big step, um, big first step. Um, but once we have that, we will definitely aggressively go into. Um, you know, trying to figure out which things we can approve first and which things we can leave for later. Um, but we have already, uh, let's say, it's, we spoke to your league that uh, you know negotiations should start sooner than later, and, and we'll we'll work towards that uh, towards you know making it happen as soon as possible. With with a lot of guys um, going from Euroleague teams to the NBA, and then also the other way going from the NBA to the to the Euroleague, how important is it that the NBA PA is you know involved in this process and supportive in this process it's 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 very important um i think for for two different reasons um one is that this is an, an organization and an association that we can learn a lot from so any questions we have um you know i have personally great relation with with people in mbpa so um i can call them up and i can ask them hey what do you think about this certain issue like is that something that you guys have faced before in the past or is that something that you have experience from and just getting answer from them and just kind of you know doing a bunch of brainstorming it definitely helps me a lot in this process to to uh, to present those facts here in our team and kind of um you know then then you know either adjust or or explore deeper um and on the other hand i think it, it shows players um the seriousness of of our association and the the respect we're getting um which is which is huge and it's easier i think for players to uh, to decide to support this association once they see that we have a great relation with the mbpa who is you know light years ahead of us and 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 it's 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 someone that we want to have a, a continuous partnership with um but it was great to see also that mbpa feels the same they want a partner on this side of the of the pond they want somebody that they can trust uh once players leave mba and come to your league and vice versa so i think that works uh it's it's beneficial for both sides but most importantly it's beneficial for the players um the issue was brought up at the introductory press conference and for those who might not have seen it um so this focuses on your league players um with the other clubs, that's not necessarily uh, part of the focus right now. Um, one of the one of the side issues or side facts or side co- uh, contemplations is that players that go from a Euroleague team to let's say a Euro Cup team or whatever, they might still be, uh, in, they might still have that involvement in the uh, in the uh, ELPA. Um, is is that something that you guys? I know it's still really early, and 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 and. But is that something that you guys are 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 kind of really thinking about adding on, uh, keeping in that in the constitution? Then. Yeah, we. This is actually one one of the things we we spoke about in our initial meeting with the with the with our legal uh, legal staff. You know how to how to keep those players included because there's a big number of players who are either going to your cup because their their team is not in your league anymore mm-hmm. or because they they their contract expired and they signed for your 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 cup team so um you know it's it's something that we are discussing i think it would i 
think it, at least initially would be something as you know something maybe let's call it a frozen membership to you know to where you know a player plays in your league for a year or two then he leaves your league um he can still remain a, a member and kind of um have the benefits the benefits of um the association um you know in the future whether that's going to be a um um, you know, pension plan or whatever. Um, you know, the seminars that players can attend and, and so on. That's something, something they will offer. Um, but, it is, but you know, obviously not being a yearly player, he won't be able to to be uh, you know in the board of player representatives. He won't be able to vote on when the issues and so on and so on. So we are, we're we're discussing that internally. We're trying to find a, a model that would that would you know fit fit the best and it would make more sense. But you know, you can imagine that this is uh this is not an easy thing to do to to figure out, especially not over over overnight or in, within a month or two. I think it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, to come up with 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 a model that would be fair um, and and would make sense at the same time, um, but yes, our focus will be on your league players um, at least in the beginning. You know, uh, you know, I, I I wish there could be an association that could take care of every player Everybody. in Europe. <laughs> yeah, but you have to realize that the differences are so vast between Euroleague players and then some players in some domestic leagues. You know, not just from financial standpoint, but but the needs and the issues that uh, that an average Euroleague player has compared to a um, you know average average player in, in some smaller league in Europe, they're just so different and so difficult to cover and 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 to you know to um you know defend the rights of of both it's it's it, it would require a huge staff of people and a lot of uh, communication and a lot of understanding of the different needs and stuff like that so um it's the system of european basketball from this standpoint is very complicated it's not as easy so um you know our focus is on your players at the moment they are the elite of, of european basketball um, and 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 I think once we establish our position there, and this you know this this association start working, and it's, it's becoming a uh, let's call it smooth, at, you know, at, at this level, um, then we can start focusing on other leagues and, and seeing if there's interest for players to join us as well from let's say other European leagues. Uh, but for now, our focus is on on early players. Um, the early players uh, and and needs of early players they also different because some of them are Europeans maybe living in their own country um, as opposed to Americans who may or may not have their families with them or families in the States. Um, do you do you foresee that as, as um, not quite a sticking point, but sort of uh, maybe something that, that, that adds a lot of dynamics uh, to all of the negotiations as far as, uh, as far as rights and what's covered and what's protected, whatnot, you know, uh, Europeans against, uh, not against, not, a, not against, but uh, as opposed to the American players? Um, yeah, I mean we're aware of, of this dynamic um, that, that there is there are different groups of people within within the uh, the year league and within this you know in the future and within the association and and we will definitely work towards you know like I said before being fair and being honest and being and working towards common common goals. Um, I, I I know that there will be some issues that will be difficult to to solve, especially not right away. Um, but you know. You know, like I mentioned before, you know, you know things like offering players, um, you know, uh, pension plans, um, offering players a, a possibility to to attend seminars to learn about financial part of basketball, or um, you know, the health uh, issues, um, and then further on negotiating with your league about possibly, you know, 
change of schedule or, or length of training camp or um, you know the, the minimal contract or the standard injury protocols and there's some of the things that would affect players directly I think everybody can benefit from it I don't I don't see uh, how a player whether he's American or if he's European can cannot benefit from it if it's if it's something that is valid for for every player that is playing within your league um, you know and, and then obviously having um, an open communication with any domestic player association or, or federation uh, regarding any other issues when players are playing in their domestic leagues. I think that that will be just as important. So, um, you know, we 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 realize we're we're not getting into some 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 job or some let's say some yeah some job or some career that that would not be that would be easy. This is a very challenging. Um, uh, job for all of us who have decided to 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 get into this, um, but at the same time, it's, it offers a huge motivation for us to explore something that was not explored before and to offer players something that was not there offered to them before. So, um, I don't see a downside here. I, I see only a chance for improvement. Um, are there going to be disagreements? Absolutely. Are they going to be? We're going to be facing challenges. Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if we are able to secure things that will benefit the players, I think we will be able to say that we all, we've done our job. So um, this is what we're aiming for. Um, at the again at the press conference, uh, the introductory press conference, Gigi, the uh, Tommy mentioned uh, the national team with the with the with the FIBA windows. Obviously, this is a huge sticking point between the, between Euroleague and 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 and. FIBA. FIBA. Um, I, I know that our little talk here isn't going to resolve any, anything, but how how major of an issue is this for, for you and, and this organization? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely it's, it's, it's a big issue. Um, you know, it's, I think the, the biggest problem that the players have with this is um, not the windows itself, um, you know the FIBA windows, and and it's not the the scheduling issues, and it's not the fact that Euroleague has, um, or FIBA has put the, these games at the same, and then at the same time the Euroleague has a season going on, and then you know Euroleague doesn't change the the scheduling and so on and so on. It's the back and forth war. Um, you know the the biggest issue that players have is that they were not asked or consulted what they think about it, and they were not heard. And this is their issue, not the fact that they, they you know, they, they, they don't, they don't, they realize they're not going to change things overnight just by stepping together and now we're going to solve the FIBA yearly issue. But their issue is why were we not asked? Why are we not consulted? Like people are in suits and ties are making all these changes and nobody asks us for our opinion. You know, and, and, and this is what players want. Players want to be able to sit at the table when these when these negotiations and changes are made and just simply stating their opinion, which which, which should be valued. And, and I think it will be. If 256 best European players step together and say, okay, we do or do not support the windows, I think that's going to have a certain weight. So um, this is this is the whole motivation behind players. Um, not the whole one, but one of the motivations why the players want to get together and want to get organized is is because they want to feel respected and they want to, they want to feel heard. Um, re- regardless of, of how the decision was made and whether or not it, um, it, there was a consultation or not of the of the players, what do you think about the FIBA windows? You know, you're someone who played a long time for the national team, um, and you know 
obviously we saw at Eurobasket 2017 the Slovenian fans came and and really put on a what a, a fantastic show uh, in Istanbul and 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 uh, and the country won and Slovenia won the, the championship um, and and you know one of the one of the ideas of the windows is to bring the national teams to to the to the home fans um, you never had a chance to, to do to play in in this format what do you think about the format you know, actually, I did play in this format, but that was back in, I would say, 98, 99, 2000s. Okay, know, so you did. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. just when I started with the national team, but that was those were different times. You know, you didn't have all these, um, the, you know, NBA players playing abroad, and you didn't have um, the FIBA being such a such a important and huge competition with it, with its own schedule. So it was a little bit different. But, um, you know, my, my stance is this. I, 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 when I'm playing for a national team or if I'm watching a national team, I want to see the best players in the court I, I, I do I, I, I don't like the fact that you know you, you mentioned Slovenia but Slovenia plays qualifiers without Goran Dragic and, and Luka Doncic and, and you know Anton Randolph and so on and so on um, you know there are some countries that can afford not having two or three players on their roster um, but there's countries like Slovenia that just simply can't it's not the same team and, and I think it's a shame for a European Championship not to be able to play uh, in its with its full roster the, the qualifiers for for World Championship, which is so important um, for us. Um, am I saying that the windows are good or bad? No, I, I, I simply want to find a solution and then find a model and find a way where every player can attend to play. Now, if if NBA has a, uh, an agreement with FIBA that the NBA players are not joining national teams, then. I think it would make more time to find a time slot where those players can play. That's that's my opinion. Uh, it doesn't. I don't. I, I am not trying to go against FIBA or trying to be pro Euroleague. It, it, you know, especially this moment, as not being player anymore. I don't care. But I, I wish there would be a possibility for all the players to who are you know healthy and willing to play that can attend. Uh, you know, I can tell you that Euroleague players in general. Um, I would say the majority of the players, or I could maybe even say all the players, they want to play for national teams. But, but at the same time, they understand basketball is a business and it's difficult for them to commit um, to teams in the middle of the, of the very tough and a long and, and grueling season. Um, so, um, you know, I, I know that for now and then for the next couple of years or seasons, this, this, this scheduling is set. Um, but, uh, but hopefully in the future, you know, the... EuroLeague and FIBA will, will find the way where every player can play, you know, and, and every player can join the national team. I think even from stand, fan standpoint, sure, watching a national team is great, but watching your full national team is much better. So this is this is my stance. Um, just to stick with the the ELPA for really just one one more question. Um, the FIBA Players Commission. You mentioned the 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 NBA Players Association. Um, the FIBA player the FIBA Players Commission is 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 a relatively young organization, um, and the chairman there is is Vladi Divac, who I'm sure you know pretty well. But and you definitely know uh, Rado uh, Nesterovic there on um, as a member of the uh, of the commission as well. Um, is there? Will there be? Uh, any dialogue with with the with the FIBA Players Commission at all? I, I hope so. You know, I, I, I definitely think that once we get established at the end of June, you know, officially established, that there should be some kind of communication, line of communication going on. Um, 
you know what what was disappointing to see um, throughout my 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 my, my trips with all 16 teams that was the was the common theme or the common maybe first thing that, that the players mentioned in the meetings was you know we never had any conversation with anyone regarding the player association stepping together and helping us directly um, this was something that the players were very disappointed about they, they felt kind of and I'm talking about yearly players they felt kind of like isolated on the island you know they said that you know FIBA and your league are, are, are fighting their battle on our backs and we don't we don't um, we don't have anything to say or anything to add and then and at the end it's, it's it's a pressure on the player um, to to you know to decide to, to play or not to play for national team or when they can't play or when they once they can't play it's, it's different reactions from the clubs or from the fans national team fans so I, I really hope that all these um, different players domestic player associations or, or FIBA players um, uh, players committee and so on and so on I hope we all increase the conversations and start talking about these issues um, so far and that's not my opinion it's players opinion that has not been done even though that these organizations exist on the paper, um, and I'm sure they exist in offices, and, and people are, are, are working there, and then you know trying to fix certain issues, but the Euroleague players really do feel like isolated on an island, and, and they 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 are, they were so happy to hear that finally something is happening that that would uh, help them get organized and help them carry the voice. So yes, I absolutely hope and I believe that there will be line communication open as soon as we. Uh, as soon as we establish the uh, the Euroleague Player Association, I think we all should work together on finding the solutions and finding ways to, uh, first of all, help Euroleague players improve their careers and their lives and, 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 and position in, in the league. But secondly, improve the basketball. I think that should be everybody's goal. Let's make the conversation a little bit lighter because I know you're a fun guy and you like to have some fun. Um, how... How you know you played for Slovenia for many 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 years? Um, yeah. How how excited were you last summer in in Istanbul when Slovenia uh, took the European Championship? Oh, that was that was simply amazing. It was it was something that you know my generation of players, let's say a little bit older than the generation that that won the championship, um, we were just so. Um, you know, so happy to see it finally happening, and 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 to be a, a let's say a small part of it. As uh, you know, we we you know my generation kind of um, brought basketball, the national team basketball, you know, so close to medal so many times. You know, the previous generation uh, was let's say the first generation that kind of um, started um, you know attending Eurobasket. Then our generation, you know, bought it, bought it, brought it close to the top, and then this new generation of players actually won it. So it's been a you know. A 20-year um, progression, constantly improving and getting better, and then finally winning. That was that was something really special. And uh, um, you know, unfortunately, I could not be a part of it. I even though I was, I had constant communication. You know, at the end after the end of the last season with with Coach uh, Igor Kukoshko, um, you know, my nagging injury simply did not allow me to attend training camp of national team and to play. Um, but um, you know, I was I was just as happy of um, for, for 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 our country to to finally win it and to get that because I thought we were so close so many times and, and had a chance to do it and it was just a confirmation that um, Slovenian basketball really is one of the best basketball countries in Europe. How scary is it to think that Luka Doncic has done what he's done despite only having turned 19 in February? Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's really special. It's really, really special and uh, you know, with him when people ask me, I always say it's, it's, it's not the statistics and it's not the... Uh, 
um, you know, that he would be a, a you know a crazy uh, athletic freak, or that he's a guy that uh, you know he just uh, gets hot at the moments and he has crazy games. No, it's not that with, with him. It's the maturity he shows on the court with, with only being 19. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, he plays so mature and he's, his basketball IQ is so high. Um, I don't think we ever seen that before. Um, so once he improves physically, you know, like you said, he's only 19 and he still has. I would say three to four years because before he gets defined as a you know physique you know his his physique and his athleticism gets defined, um, you know then we'll really see what what he can do and um, just being so tactically, tactically and technically sound at 19 playing at the highest level it's 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 something incredible and I think every Slovenian is proud to um, to to have Luca playing so well in Madrid and with national team and in the future also in the NBA. You you played in the NBA till till 2008 and then you played in the Euro League uh, until 2015. Um, you know, one of the biggest debates going on in the in, in the with the draft right now is, you know, how how he translates to how Luka Doncic translates to the NBA game. Um, how do you how do you see that? Um, you know. Honestly, I, I think there will be challenges early on. I think he will have to um, adjust to the speed and to the physicality of the game, um, just like everybody does. You know, it's not, not something different from Luca. I think for some players, it's maybe a little bit easier because they're physically more gifted and, and better athletes. But uh, like I said before, Luca is still 19 and he has time to, to grow and improve in this area. Um, so I think defensively and the speed of game will be a challenge early on. Um, but but like I said, his basketball IQ is just so good that he he has the ability to slow the game down if he needs to. Um, he has the ability to to get uh, not just himself but his teammates involved, and and he has the ability to win games. So I think those are very important things that uh, that will help him. Um, you know, like I said, I think there's going to be an adjusting adjustment period, but he'll do he'll do great. You know, his. Uh, I think he it's time for him to, to, to take that step. He's he's proven that he's um you know, he's achieved everything possible in Europe and he's proven that he's he's one of the best players in Europe right now. Um, if not the best this season. Um so there's just no no way for him to wait. I think uh there's there's time that he gets you know, once drafted that he goes over there. Hopefully works in the States here over the summer. Um, you know, works on the areas that he needs to work on, and then you know, get as healthy and as ready as possible into next season, into his first rookie season in the NBA. Um, the, obviously, Slovenian national team coach uh, Igor Koskoskov um, was named the head coach uh, of the Phoenix Suns uh, as the first full-time uh, European coach. As someone who knows him uh, and knows everything that he put in to to get to that. Uh, to get to that spot, someone who's been uh, assistant coach many places. How excited and happy are, are you for him? Um, and how do you think he'll do there uh, in Phoenix? Um, I, I really believe, believe he'll do great. Obviously, Phoenix is not a team right now that can be uh, considered uh, a, a playoff team. Um, it'll take time for them. Um, one thing he has shown already this summer and, and in his previous years is that he's great with young players. Even if you look at Slovenian team, it was a young team and it was a team of up-and-coming players and he was able to really get maximum out of each and every player. I think he'll do the same in Phoenix. Um, I, I, you know, one thing that I don't like is that players, are, I'm sorry, not players, but fans in Slovenia, for example, are already... Um, Considering Luca is number one pick because uh, Igor Kokoshko is there, 
you know, I, I, I would I would warn everybody and say that if Phoenix does not select Luca is the first thing they, they should not go after Kokoshko right away and saying that he didn't select his, his national team player. You know, this is a business and Phoenix Suns will make a decision that they feel is the best for their franchise. Um, so they will decide for the player that they, they think is the best. I'm not sure how much uh, of, a, of a word you know uh, Igor Igor has here um but either way I think he'll he'll do fine because he's one of those coaches that players simply love to play for he's understandable he's uh he's vocal he's open he's honest and, and he's a really really good coach so uh I, I think that Phoenix made the right decision to brought in to bring in a young young coach like him um because he'll be able to to grow together with the team and uh, hopefully he'll 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 bring him back to the playoffs within I would say three to four years um, as someone who's approaching the 300th podcast, uh, maybe tell tell me what you thought about April 18th when you had the 100th episode of pod, Podrovnosti. Yeah, it means details. It means details. <laughs> right with uh, with Andrea Tomic and uh, and Bosnia Goranc. Uh, Tell me what you thought about that 100 episodes. Congratulations by the, on that. Yeah, part. thanks. No, <laughs> thanks. No, podcasting is something that I that I that I wanted to do for years, and then I think it's been like three or four years ago now that we started this. Um, and it's we mostly do it in Slovenian. Well, I think we don't know maybe like 10 episodes in English, um, and then the rest is in Slovenian. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we were running this very popular podcast in Slovenia, just talking about many different things. Many times about basketball, but not always. I mean, it's you know we're talking. With, Different journalists from different areas, and and uh, musicians, and uh, you know scientists, and and you know just so on and so on, just so many different people from the many different aspects and many different careers, and um, you know this is this has always been, I mean at least since I've been doing it the last three four years, it's been like an outlet for me, you know something to get my mind off basketball for a little bit and, and talk to interesting people from different areas, and most importantly learn from them. Um, you know the fact that it became very popular in Slovenia and that we have a huge audience is just a just a big plus, and it's uh, also a, um, you know it's, it it adds another responsibility to make sure that we we do as <laughs> the best the best possible thing we can to kind of satisfy the the needs of the listeners. But uh, but it's something that I, that I enjoy a lot, and uh, you know looking forward to to the next 100. <laughs> You're 102 now. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, I, I saw that um, you did the the, ju- the first ever uh, junior NBA World Championship European camp. Um, what do you think about that initiative? Maybe maybe for those who might not know anything about that, maybe just give us a quick rundown of what that is. I think that's what 13, 14 years old, if I'm not mistaken. The junior NBA. Yeah. Junior NBA. I'm not sure how how many years it's been it's been going on, but the Junior NBA here in Europe, it's 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 uh, it's um, there are different leagues within different in different countries in Europe. I, I'm not sure the number, but it's a big number in Europe European countries that that have this cooperation with the NBA. And and what the NBA does is they, um, we, you know, within a city or or a certain region, um, they connect with uh, with local schools, and each school um, starts representing one NBA team. So, for example, a local elementary school would be Los Angeles Lakers. The school, you know, a couple of streets down would be, uh, you know, Boston Celtics, and so on and so on. So, um, and then this, they, 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 they create a league, and these, these schools play against each other, you know, representing the, the NBA teams, um, you know, all the way until it becomes, uh, until you get a champion, you know, a playoff run or a final tournament, and then you get a champion over certain, over, over certain league. So, 
uh, me as a junior NBA ambassador, I, I, I travel around uh, different different countries and different cities, and then I attend these league finals and uh, I run a clinic for for young players. Um, you know, trying to not just teach them basketball, but trying to teach them, you know, why it's important to, to be involved in sports and what basketball can bring you short and long term, and and, and how to become a good teammate and, and, and stuff like that. So I think it's a it's a great program. It helps players young players um, spend time, you know, playing basketball, but most importantly, it kind of brings them closer together to the NBA, you know, representing an NBA team at the age of 12, 13, 14, and, and then feeling connected to them, it's, it's great. I, I think NBA then um, talks to the NBA players from certain teams and they send them messages, video messages, and, and I think that's great for players to feel very connected to whether that's Chicago Bulls or Miami Heat or Toronto Raptors, whatever it is. But it's, it's a great step for, for NBA to uh, um, you know, improve their image and to um, expand their name. But at the same time, makes players feel closer to the NBA. But and and also, it, it's a huge motivator factor for players to get back on basketball court, practice, get better, improve. Um, and, I, and I'm and I'm and I'm 100% sure that in the future, uh, as this league gets gets older, we'll see some European players that get drafted that will actually say that they have started playing basketball in a junior NBA league. So it's going to be a proud moment. Um, what else? What else are you busy with then? Um, you know, the, the one one other thing that I was doing throughout this year is is um, helping Detroit Pistons with uh, with uh, with some scouting and with some let's say connection building here in Europe. Um, it's been a it's been a great way to uh, to learn about this good business of NBA basketball and to stay connected to um, um, to the team in the NBA and see how they operate and um, you know just spending some time in the training camp in Detroit early in the season and, and being part of a front office there um, has been an amazing experience for me. So, you know, between that and uh, and studying and, um, you know, uh, doing the, the, the FIBA timeout program, you know, uh, and then obviously the European uh, EuroLeague Player Association, uh, and besides being, like I said before, a husband and husband father, and father. It's, 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 <laughs> which is which is obviously the number one for me. Um, you know, it's, it it takes up you know twenty four hours out of twenty four hours of my day. So um, you know, it's it's a challenging time. It's a new experience for me. But but like I said before, I'm enjoying it a lot, and it requires a lot of energy and a lot of discipline. Um, but it's luckily something that that I have. I still feel young and. Uh, uh, I think sooner or later I'll decide in exactly which direction I want to go to and focus on, on that. You've been super generous with your time. I just have one more thing I want to ask you about. Um, I see August 30th marked down for Team Bucky against Team Sani. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 my it's my retirement game that I'm organizing together with uh, you know a yearly yearly champion and uh, you know one of the all-time best players in Slovenia, Sani Bicirovic, who is. Uh, who has been retired for a couple of years already, but he has never had his own uh, retirement game. So we decided to do one together and we'll, we'll assemble teams of our ex-teammates and friends and coaches um, that, that, we, uh, that we have played with or played for throughout our careers. And uh, we'll see who's better. You know, it's, uh, the game is going to be uh, in Ljubljana, in the big arena. It's going to be uh, uh, on national TV. Uh, it will, uh, it will, it will include, include uh, you know, a lot of sponsors, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I would call it, uh, you know, important people in Slovenia and outside Slovenia. Uh, we expect a full gym. Uh, I think it will be a great spectacle. And the show is going to be going on all, all day. 
with the with the main thing being the eight o'clock game between my team and Sonny's team. Um, and so far, we have confirmations from players like you know Renat Kostic and Igor Kocevic. Uh, um, Diamantidis will be there. Albertis will will come. Um, you know, Kirilenko said he's he's coming. Um, Zoran Planinic, you know, he has he had a great career. Uh, Marko Milic, Primoz Brezic, Rashan Sterevic, uh, Yakalakovic. I mean, uh, Goran Dragic is going to be there. I mean, just a lot of lot of big name um, players, especially from our region. Um, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that the game is is going to be something that fans will remember for a long time. I have a smile on my face just thinking about all the, all you guys uh, uh, being together and enjoying each other's company for one for one big special event, and especially in front of a huge crowd there in Lupiana. I'm sure people will come out and and, and really enjoy that. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you will. I think that you know the tickets went on sale and already we had a big number of tickets being sold. So I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to have. Uh, full arena of fans but like you said you know uh, uh, playing that one last game with all our friends is going to be so much fun it's going to also bring a, a closure uh, to me and, and, and to Sonny to kind of uh, you know say goodbye from professional basketball in the company of all these great you know basketball greats and uh, uh, you know after that the reality is going to hit and this is the last time we'll be on the court uh, but it's something I think that we, we both need and we'll be able to to move on into our next careers but yeah like I said being in a company of all these friends is going to be is going to be amazing for those who uh, want to follow you keep up with what you're doing maybe uh, tell people how they can keep up with you social media whatever yeah I mean I, I'm, I'm on Instagram and on, on mostly on Twitter um, you know Bokinak where you can find me pretty easy I believe um, and this is this is where I am when I'm when I'm on online. Sometimes I have more time and I post more things, and sometimes I disappear for a little bit simply because I'm I'm too busy. But uh, yeah, I, I I try to use especially Twitter to to stay connected with with a lot of people and uh, also with fans and uh, love love this line of communication for many different things. All right, Boki, thanks a lot. Appreciate you taking so much time and uh, enjoy enjoy the build up to that game. And uh, enjoy the game, and uh, yeah, good luck with uh, with the end of June and, and everything with with the ELPA. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. Um, yeah. So again, congratulations to him on that. Um, I, it's great, great, great idea, and um, have to see how that works with the with the NBA Players Association and. Uh, I, and also the, the Players Commission from FIBA, I think that's also um, a benefit that they could look into and should look into. And, 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 and maybe this is sort of the start of, of something that can, that can uh, end this conflict in European basketball, you know, because a lot of these guys, these European players, want, want to play for their national teams, but there's just this conflict going on. And uh, so maybe it will be... Uh, it'll come up with a solution. Um, you know, there's at least that prospect uh, in there. Uh, so uh, that's the show this week. Um, we will uh, just let you know who you're going to be listening to. The song's called Jump in the River. It's by Holly Golightly and the Broke Offs. It's available on freemusicarchive.org. Last, next week is show number 300. Um, if you haven't heard, that's my final show. Um, so... Um, it's uh, gonna be gonna be a interesting one. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, talk to you then.
Sergio Scariolo and you are listening to Taking the Charge. 